That's a hockey, you know, it's only, it's only game. Why you have to be mad? You know why? Because bad things happen in Philadelphia. Bad things. What's up, you beauties? Welcome to HW 3.37. I'm Jim, joined as always by the host of our hit show, Full Circle Jack Smith, and the co-host of The Sheriff with Sean McMorrow, our very own Kyle Warner. If you're not listening live, please make sure to subscribe, follow, and listen to us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or Spreaker. Quick shout-out to our affiliate sites, fullpresscoverage.com and bellyupsports.com. Belly Up Sports recently updated their site. Go check it out during our episode. They have everything you need when it comes to sports. They do what the others don't. Find us on both sites under podcasts. While you're listening to our episode, check out our site, hwhockey.net. Check out our power rankings. Drop a comment. Let us know what you think. Okay, guys. Well, the season's finally done. It's finally over. We don't have to watch any more games. We're not forced to go through this BS of a season anymore. Uh, Wait, you guys are still watching games? (laughs) (laughs) They kind of gave their end-of-season press conferences today. Uh, Vigneault, Fletcher, even Dave Scott chimed in for some reason. Um, I just I want to kind of get you guys' thoughts and feelings. Like, do you feel relieved? Are you kind of sad that the season's done? Uh, What's going on with you guys? I'm definitely not sad, that's for sure, Uh, because I like I have to watch. You know what I mean? I really have to. And I felt myself being distracted very easily, which is like, this is even my wife commented. She's like, she's like, you're not even like you, it's on and you're not doing anything else, but you're, you're not there. You know what yeah. I mean? I'm like, I'm, and you know, unless Wade Allison or Joel Farabee had the puck on their stick, I, it's, it, I could care less. Like, you know, I was doing my best because we do a show and I, I'm just trying to see what underlying factors I could bring to the show. And if anything, you know, changes and to be honest, they looked, a little bit better overall as a team, probably because they didn't give a shit and they weren't really pressing or gripping the stick too tight. And Allison and Farabee did all the offense. So yeah. And Lyon was happy to be, you know, in the NHL. But other than that, because they were out of it, it's very hard to, you know, I almost have more fun doing full circle because I'm watching teams actually competing, giving a shit. And most of those teams have a future as well. So yeah, it's, I'm so happy that it's finally over because the real season is going to begin now starring Chuck Fletcher. Yeah, it's going to be an interesting offseason. Kyle, how are you feeling, buddy? I stopped watching. I'm going to be 100% honest, dude. There's only so many times I can watch the same train wreck before I'm like, I've seen this song and dance before, and I know how this game's going. And nobody's showing up. Nobody's showing me anything to make me want to watch. Yeah, okay, Allison getting in at the end of the year. That was fun. Kids, uh, Kid was a bright spot at the end of the year. But... I checked the lineup. Sam Morin's not playing. Nobody on the other team, even when Sam Morin is playing, will fight him. Ah, <laughs> I guess I'll do something else. So you're a classic example of this team turning off, you know, hardcore fans. Like they just don't give you a reason to watch. They didn't really give you a reason to watch all year long uh, until, you know, they start putting in some of the younger guys. And Jack, that's why you were still watching. You said to watch Farabee and, um, and Allison kind of play. Huh? Yeah. Sorry about that. So I keep, I just keep having the same conversation with people and they ask me the same thing. Like you just stopped watching. They were like, don't you do a show on it? I'm like, yeah, but like, you don't have to watch every game to uh, tell you exactly how the games went. I mean, it's been the same thing all year. And they're like, how do you not watch? 
And I'm like, because they gave me nothing. And I keep going back to that 06, 07 year where the Flyers were the worst team in the league. I didn't miss a game that year. I couldn't keep my eyes off of the screen. Like, they provided me with some em- entertainment factor, and this team just doesn't. It's just not good all the way around. Kyle's right in a sense because that year, that very same year, I, I mean, I went to fan appreciation night, and that's in like March. Like, you, the season's like completely over, you know, and they lost two to one because they scored on themselves. Like, that's how bad they were, but they were throwing the body around. There were fights, you know what I mean? Like, they gave a shit where this team is just. We've we said it a million times. There's really no point getting back into it. And really, it was status quo for almost everybody, uh, except for the goaltending, because Elliott may have played his last game against the Devils. They did win four to two. Uh Wade Allison and Farabee like traded back to back like two goal games. Farabee hit the 20 goal mark, which in a regular season, he was on pace for 30. That's that's something. That's I love seeing that, especially when there's not much around him that really cares. Um so yeah, no. It, for me, it was it was almost like an extra interview that I was doing with the team and the players, and the, you know, obviously, you don't want to get anybody to like tear their Achilles heel or anything like that. But it, it was just that you know, it's finally over, and I want to, I just, I want to see the playoffs because nothing beats playoff hockey, no matter who's playing. But really, it's a step closer to Fletcher doing anything. And Vegas is now officially an NHL team. They've made their last payment, not Vegas, Seattle. Yeah. Uh, so we can uh, you start negotiating. So who, maybe they're one of the first teams. Maybe they're talking already. I, I don't know. You know what's kind of – you know what kind of depresses me even more? is because, yeah, we watch the Flyers every night. But after the Flyers, I'll watch a West Coast game. And, <laughs> you know, I'll be up to like 12, 1230, 1 o'clock, sometimes watching these West Coast teams like the Avalanche or the Knights. You know, and they're just – world's better than what we watched this year you know and the avalanche had their share of COVID issues i'm not sure vegas had to go through any of that um but there's just a difference in the way these teams play there's a difference of you know players on the roster obviously talent wise there was an interesting comment on twitter today and maybe i'll start the new segment here so we want to start a new segment called the dirty but good tweet of the week and our good buddy frank on twitter was talking about how, you know, this team just doesn't have any uh, star power or uh, they don't have any good players. Uh, they have a weird mix. And Tim, I, I forget his handle, but I'm sure everybody knows Tim. He, he always has a, a good outside-the-box perspective, commented, and he said, you know what, the Flyers have good players. They just don't have any players in their prime, which I guess that's – I think prime age is 25, 26, 27, you know? And if you look at this, and we've said it on this show, they have very young players or they have kind of, you know, 29, 30, 31-year-old players. They don't really have guys in their prime. They have a weird mix of guys, right? And so uh, is that something that you guys think that they should go out and not just bring in, you know, guys 25, 26, 27 years old, but if they're going to go out and bring in players, should they target guys in that age range? That's that's tough. A lot of the guys who are very good, it's a young man's game. Like like the McDavid's, the Matthews, like that's the age range that they're in. And a lot of those guys don't hit free agency unless there's an issue, um, unless something happens. Line A. Line A's, uh, how old is he? He's, I think he's actually only like going to be 22. 
And so he'll still be under the restricted tag. And a lot of these guys, they stay with their teams if they're not flat out traded, but then you're giving up a lot. Um, if they hit free agency at 24, 25, something went wrong usually. You know, like usually they're if they're not going to stay with the team they're with, they get traded. You know, so, I mean, if you're not going to go get a stud guy uh, at that age range, look, Hamilton is a top name coming out now. How old is he? Like 29, 30? He was the same draft as Couturier, so he can't be – Definitely not 25. Let me double check that. He might be in the age age range that we're talking about here. Let me just double check. I'd be uh, shocked. He was the same draft class as Couturier. Couturier is what, 29, 30? Yeah. So, so there's he's, no he's no he might at the most be 28 years old. At the most. Born in 93. I'm not really good at math. I don't know what that is. Seven plus yeah, it might be 28, 29, Jack. You're right. Yeah. So I mean those young and it's that's why drafting is is very key but at the same time it's drafting at the very tip top of the draft. Those are the guys who are in their prime like that uh around age 24 25 are killing it. It's all those guys. When was Line A drafted? Second overall. Look how good he, I mean, goals he's put in the NHL already. Matthews McDavid even even he sure's not bad. You know what I mean? Like like these Stop. these are the guys who are 25 and, or and younger who are killing it right now. These guys don't hit free agency unless they're third-line grinders. I might rub you the wrong way a little bit here, but after you know thinking about what Tim said for a little bit, you look at the Flyers roster, and maybe we do just need to be a little bit more patient here. Maybe we just need to let Jeru, Voracek, Van Riemsdyk kind of rot off the roster or find a way to move them. Because if you look at the, the new core of this team, Travis Konechny, Ivan Provo. I, this is going to piss you guys off. Travis Sanheim, Farabee, Allison's now in that core. Tanner Lezinski's in that core. Uh, these are all guys 22, 23, 24 years old heading into next season. You let these guys play together for a year or two. You add in the right pieces as they grow up. This is, you know, if they develop properly, which, you know, we saw this year, that doesn't always happen the way we think. The I don't think the Flyers – and I, and I hate to say it because I was, you know, angry along with everybody else. I'm not giving them a mulligan on the season, but it, it was a messed up year, right? It wasn't a regular 82-game year. They played their division all season long, which basically was a death sentence for this roster. They're undersized. You know, they're uh, less experienced than teams like the Capitals, Bruins, Penguins, Islanders who beat up on them in the playoffs last year. Again, this is not excuses. But if you want to tell me, hey, we're a lot better than we showed this year, I believe that. But I still want to see them add pieces as they go along. What do you guys think? So the counterpoint to that real quick, when you said let like Voracek and them rot off the roster, the only issue with that is you could run into the problem we ran into with Young in his prime Giroux, where mm -hmm. we had contracts that we needed to rot off the roster. We had uh, – Vinny LeCavier who needed and McDonald and players of that nature who needed to rot off the roster. And, you know, look what we did. We pretty much wasted Drew's prime in that process. So I think you're right. The pieces are in place, but they can't afford to sit around and wait. Drew's going to be a free agent after next season, I believe. So you can either move on or sign him back for cheap and have him have a lesser role. But Voracek needs to be moved. Like you cannot sit around for five years and let that rot off. Like that needs to go. You know, JVR, yes, he had a good season, but he's not getting any younger. I don't think he creates scoring opportunities on his own, which as you get older is a lot tougher. It's good for the power play. Well, I won't doubt that. 
Uh, but $7 million is a lot of dollars for just scoring goals. So like these are names that they need to get out from under the cap because they need that cap to go elsewhere to add to the pieces that you were saying. So guys like Farabee can play with actual talented players in their prime while they're 24, 25, 26 years old. Then maybe we catch something and then we can go with it. Yeah. And how about JVR, Kyle? He kind of an MIA there for a little bit. He was looking like he was going to score 30 goals in 56 games. What happened to him? I think he put together a pretty good season for what we're used to with JVR, the two games, five points in two games, and then no points in 15. He didn't do that much this year. So I, all in all, I can't, I'm not complaining about 43 points in 56 games. Yeah. So do you, do you think that's $7 million worth? It's what we got. So, and you're not going to, you're going to be able to move one of those two contracts. I don't think you're going to be able to move both. And at this point, I'd much rather take a productive year. If I'm looking at their two years, I'm taking JVR over Voracek. If not, just because I lose more in cap getting rid of Voracek than I do JVR. And it's longer term to keep Voracek over JVR. So get rid of Voracek and then. Who knows? Maybe next year or the year after the Flyers aren't where they need to be and come trade deadline, somebody's looking to add a score for the playoffs with that last year of his term. Yeah, I, I agree with that. I just, if Vorchek's not feasible, I've even heard ghosts of Seattle, but before we get into that, Jim, go ahead. Yeah, so our buddy Christopher McCarthy here uh, comments, I think today with Vorchek a no-show in, I guess this was the end of the season press conferences, uh, and the fact that he took extra shifts in the third. I didn't notice that, but I guess I really wasn't paying much attention, uh, which wasn't planned. He thinks it tells a sign potentially that he knows he's gone. Uh, so I guess he was staying out for extended shifts. It was just, I, I don't know. Was he just not listening to AV? Uh, I don't know. He still has to get moved in. You know, that's on the GM to move him. Can he move him? I don't know. I don't know if I trust Chuck Fletcher to move him, you know? <laughs> That's what we're going to find out. I mean, he needs to go. And like Kyle said, like I agree 100% with everything Kyle said about moving Voracek before Jake. I just hope it's possible. And at this point, I, I don't see us getting anything back, and I know it would have to be a money-for-money money thing. Seattle is really the only option. Like, if they have to please. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like – Give up a fur. I mean, for I wouldn't start there, but if it came to it, I probably would do it. Like, there's not a lot known of this draft. I've been watching mock drafts, and a lot, almost all the mock drafts are like after the top eight. We kind of get a little, you know. So if that's the case, like, what, am I really that married to my first round pick? If I could change the entire culture of my team and open up eight and a quarter million dollars, am I really that married to a first round pick? No, I'm not. Especially this year. Like, it's the perfect storm. Like, you know, you don't really know what you're going to get as far as uh, your draft pick. Give it to Seattle, you know? Like, just give it to them. You're, it, this is the year to give them your – it's a 13th overall pick, the pick that we've been frigging stuck with for the last decade, it feels like, right? Give it up. Trade the <laughs> Every pick single Caps year. Picks, right? well, one, one time we got really lucky and 13 <laughs> became two, which became Nolan Patrick. So. Hit the jack yeah. oh, totally <laughs> luck. All luck there. It's like we literally that's like fucking anybody else in the top six and been good. That's like that's like winning the Mega Millions lottery and then losing the ticket. Yeah. yeah. 
Well, money's all counterfeit. You owe money on that ticket. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Taxes. <laughs> oh, what, what did he finish? Second or third? And uh, negative Second plus minus. And minus. I have the stats right here. Uh, I don't know. Seasons that technically not over, but Nolan Patrick stats for the year: fifty-two games played, four goals, five assists, nine points. He was a minus thirty. Just for just for fun, Wade Allison played fourteen games, had four goals, three assists, and seven points. Almost passed Patrick. Tied him in goals. <laughs> wow, that dude. is pathetic. Like that kind of puts it in perspective a little bit, just how bad the season was. Because when you just when you just said Nolan Patrick's numbers alone, it's like okay, well, you know, he played. He played the fifty-two game season. But when you bring up Wade Allison's stats, it's like, dude, maybe he would have been better off taking some games off. You know, for real, nine points in 52 games, number two overall pick. Yes, we know he missed a year. He's probably going through some mental things. Maybe he's not in the best playing shape. Wade Allison's has had his fair share of injuries. And, hey, this is another kid that's had to battle through adversity to get to where he is, right? He's had a couple injuries in the last couple of years. I don't oh, know, man. Especially uh, right after his draft year, which is tough on a kid, you know, because you, you all of a sudden there's another draft class behind you. It was actually Noel Patrick's draft class, but like it's kind of like, oh shit, like you know, I, I might just be thrown to the wayside and suddenly I'm forgotten about, and uh, I might be a career AHLer if I can get my crap together. And he got hurt again after that, and he still persevered. We thought we were gonna like lose him. We we resigned him and we feel like we're reaping the benefits a little bit here. Yeah, it's, okay, it's 14 games in a lost season. I get it. But it's better than seeing him just kind of skating around. You know yeah. what I mean? He's actually producing and he's he's getting the ice time too, which I really appreciate. I really like seeing him and Farabee on the same line. Like there's something, there's something to be positive about the once we knew we were mathematically eliminated from the playoffs. And I'll take that. You know, that that was gaining one reason to at least have it on the TV. Yeah. Yeah, I think the biggest difference, I mean, points aside from the two, is just compete level. I mean, Patrick didn't seem like this entire year he really even gave a shit. Like, he just kind of skated around. I'm here. I'm playing. This is what you pay for. Me to play. I'm playing. (laughs) And and freaking Allison comes in, and that motor doesn't stop running. I don't think I've ever seen that kid take a shift where he didn't take 200 strides. He's just, he's go, go, go. It was crazy about Patrick. Like, this is just from a personal standpoint. Like in the NFL, you're drafted that high. You like immediately, even with the new restrictions they put in place, you make a ton of money. So I could see somebody who's really not that good and they don't have the drive. They're going to play out their five-year, four-year, I forget what it is, contract. And whatever happens, happens. And they're going to be rich probably for the rest of their lives as long as they're not stupid about it. Patrick has made virtually nothing. And he's on a one-year deal. So if you try a little bit, it's not even a full season. And you can show this team that you're worth something. You can make a little bit of money or show the next team you're worth something. And he just doesn't care. It's like you're just costing yourself dollars, like serious money. Like, yeah, okay, you make almost a million dollars. I'm sure that will be good for you. But the lifestyle you're probably used to living, you're probably going to want a lot more. Not to mention if hockey doesn't work out, you make enough, you can retire and do whatever the hell you want. But now he's kind of like – I mean, he's really not made anything, and he's in line to not make any much more. It's kind of, it's just, I don't understand his mindset. It's very, I don't know, it's embarrassing. Yeah, there's definitely a difference. There's a difference between guys like Sam Moran, Wade Allison, who went through their own fair share of adversity, which is, I don't feel like it's talked about enough. 
And it's, it's not to make Nolan Patrick look worse. It's to make these kids look better, right? Because Nolan Patrick's the flip side of that coin right now. You know, you go through a lot of shit and, you know, you have to overcome it. Your mind, your mind first, your mind tells the body what to do. So <laughs> wait, let me just put this up here real quick. Dan, Seattle Kraken fan here. You guys know Dan. Right? <laughs> we love you, Dan. Yeah. <laughs> you gotta like somebody. They're gonna at least take take ghosts, right? Like, come on, dude. You better get that board check jersey now, buddy. Uh, <laughs> yeah. So there's a, a flip side to that coin. Some guys pan out. We're seeing Allison and you know, hopefully Moran persevere, and we're seeing Nolan Patrick, who's having a tougher think- time with that whole thing. I don't think AV likes more and I don't, I think he's doomed here. Yeah. I think I agree with him. I don't think AV likes that style of player that, no. I mean, no offense to Sam Moran, but he's pretty one dimensional. And, and Kyle, let's talk about that a little bit because we brought that up on a, a show in the past. I don't know how much we talked about it, but you go back and look at some of Elaine Vigneault's teams with New York and Vancouver. I mean, he had Burroughs in Vancouver and I think he had a tough guy in New York. He played on a, he had multiple tough guys in New York. Yeah. Did he? I remember Glass was one of them. Oh, Danner Glass. Yeah, he's been around. So I'm wondering though, like, but I don't, rem- I don't recall anybody like that on. Well, he had BX, I guess, in Vancouver too. So maybe I'm wrong there. Yeah. Um, yeah, I don't know. Maybe I was wondering if this is just the style of hockey that Vigneault plays, where the guys don't play with any passion, or you know, they don't get angry. They're not allowed to to play after the whistle or anything like that. But. Yeah, I don't know, man. The Rangers are pretty active, especially their their third and fourth lines. Like that was one of the reasons they were really good in the playoffs. Is those lines would just contribute. They would just wear you down to a nub. You know, they yeah, really, right. they really like they came out and they played. You know, they were they weren't exactly like putting you through the glass, but they played to win, and mm-hmm. it really gave team fits. Like teams like that had that were uh, top heavy, like they would beat those teams because the third and fourth line will win the games for him. And then they had Lundqvist a goal, but you know, that's a whole nother thing. Yeah. You guys are right. And our, our buddy Ty, Ty, thanks for hanging out with us again, buddy. Michael Haley, uh, I think was on that team as well. So I'm just completely wrong there. Michael Those Haley teams. was on the Rangers the last two years, three years. Two. He was not on AV's team now. Okay. Mm. All right. So AV's teams did have some tougher players. I'm just completely wrong there. I'm looking for excuses because this team was just so bad. I'm trying to find reasons for why they played the way they did. Um, I don't know. Do you guys want to delve into any of the excuses or do you just not? Are you, are you guys still at the point where you just don't want to hear any of it? Yeah, I'm I think so tired doing, of excuses. They're doing their exit interviews. And I think if any of the coaches say the word COVID or practice, or any of things of that nature, they should probably be fired because the entire league had to deal with this shit. Why are we so special? We get a pass. Like we, we don't, this is bullshit. Like, come on. I, I cannot stand that. Okay. I, I get it. But the whole league dealt with it. When the whole league has to deal with it, it's not an excuse. So come on. We didn't, we didn't move mountains in adding all these new players and not accustomed to the system. This is the same exact team from last year. Minus one defenseman. Come on. Yeah. Let me ask you, uh, you guys this, and I'm just changing gears real quick here. A lot of Jack Eichel rumors came out today. It looks like he's definitely not going to be in Buffalo next year. What are the odds he comes to Philly? Four percent. Zero. It's L- it's L.A. or New York, baby. It makes too much sense Zero. for both teams. Just pray he doesn't go to the Rangers. That's all you got to do is pray he doesn't he's go knowing, to the Rangers. He's, 
definitely going to the Rangers. I'm hoping I'm hoping LA ups their offer because they got a lot of great prospects. I'm hoping that they are the team. They trade for Eichel and then they either trade or sign line A. I could see it happening. They have so much depth down there with the with their prospects. Uh, but the Rangers make a ton of sense too. I can see them building a package around Capo. Maybe Lafreniere if they're really that crazy about it. But I think Capo and a couple of picks. I talked to a Rangers fan. I brought up Capo. He's like, no, no. I'm like, dude, you're going to have to give something up to get you know Eichel here. Don't be stupid. And you should do it. You should do it in a heartbeat. Like, they, they would be- we'll, tr- we'll, trade him, we'll trade him Brendan Smith. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Brendan Smith in the third. <laughs> dude yeah, apparently no, that's all you gotta want. that's all you gotta send buffalo what they what they get a second and uh a second and uh that guy bjork for taylor hall oh yeah yeah it was a boston yeah second and a bjork and they're gonna they're gonna resign him but that that works out because krejci is a free agent and so is rask so like oh. a 14 mil just came off the cap for them so hall will most likely be resigning in boston which is weird because i thought he was destined for calgary but we'll see Here's a quick question. Put you guys on the spot. You can't pick Voracek either. I got my answer. I'm ready. Which flyer ends up a Kraken? Shane Goss's bear. I can't pick Voracek? Nah, or Ghost now. <laughs> Justin Braun. <laughs> Dude, JBR knows it. The answer is JBR, and he knows it, but he won't say it. <laughs> Yeah, I, I'm not looking forward to that. I, I'm not confident in Chuck for you know going into no trades take stuff. place and they just draft because you know Sam Char- Carcitti came out with that through the Flyers protect Ghost. You know the guy that we sent to the you know uh, taxi squad or whatever, and anybody could have had him. And I understand Seattle has all the cap space in the world. Um, I th- I think we're not going to protect him because I don't think the team likes him. And you want to be fooled by those offensive stats. I just want to pull up a stat for you guys real quick about ghosts. Okay. So Scott Lawton, who people were upset about his contract, it's 3 million per year. He had nine goals, 11 assists for 20 points. He was a plus 13. Shane Goss's bear, nine goals, 11 assists for 20 points. He was a minus two. One of those guys is a defenseman. Okay. So the minus, it shouldn't have the minus. It should have the plus, you know, he's a defenseman, you know, so you want to fall in love with his offensive stats? Be my guest. You're not winning anything with that team. You need defensemen who can play defense. So if Seattle takes him, wouldn't be best case scenario, but it'd be more money well spent elsewhere. Oh, and Scott Lawton makes $3 million. How much does Ghost make? Four point something. And people don't dislike the Lawton deal. Come on. Yeah. Yeah, that's a little odd to me. I, I have no confidence that – I, for some reason, I just see Voracek and Gossespierre back on this team next year. You know, like I'm you at the point where are? I just, I just don't believe that because for the past like four years, I'm like, all right, this is the summer, this is the year Ghost is gone, and he's still here. Even <laughs> this year, where it's like, like, like he was gone. Like we heard uh, our buddy Ant San tell us on our show a couple weeks ago, Ghost was as good as gone, and what happens? Matt Niskanen retires, and he's still here. Like they, he just finds a way to stick around, so he's a parasite. I have no doubt. He finds a way. <laughs> like he's I've, a parasite. I have Living no doubt that he's going to be That is the Philadelphia Flyers. <laughs> yep. Uh, interesting comment by Chris uh, here. Thank God, what a disgusting year. These kids don't care about winning; they just want to collect their fat checks and go hit the links. No passion, 
gutless effort this season really disgraced. Man, that is a dirty but good comment. Jake Voracek in a nutshell. Yes, yeah. Man. And that, tr that trickles down, man. Nolan Patrick. I, remember, I mean, it's not a, not as fat of a check, but Nolan Patrick too, man. That's him. Well, he, he and Voracek were just meant to be friends. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, man. It, that perfectly summed up the year. Thanks for that comment there, Chris. We have uh, Antimeo. JVR is going to Seattle. We can't be so lucky to have Voracek with, and that's well, kind of how I feel. We know they're not going to just take him. You know, <laughs> if Voracek's going, there's a lot going with him. <laughs> like, yeah, let's be real here. Are you guys uh, cool with I, that? I don't know, man. If it came down to they just have to flat out pick somebody off off our team, I, I think they might go with an offensive defenseman, considering that's the way the league is. He's younger. Uh, Ghost offensively had a better year. Would not surprise me if it was Ghost instead of JVR. Plus seven million, four, four, four point what, four point three or something, four and a half. It's less than seven. If they go the way that Vegas went, uh, you know, Vegas kind of they didn't really stock up on, you know, and I'm not, I'm not trying to be a devil's advocate here, Jack. I'm just trying to re remember how Vegas built their team. They just had a bunch of solid, I would say, lower tier second to uh, third pairing guys, if I remember correctly. And I'm thinking of guys like. Yeah, and and offensively, I'm thinking about guys like William Carlson. Somehow, I had 40 goals. Like, maybe they should have checked yeah. him for like PEDs or something because he hasn't really sniffed 40 goals since. That was an anomaly. That was yeah. an anomaly. Yeah, and I mean, they they had had the, the veteran goaltending, which that's true. Pit, but it big time them too. Yeah. Um, no, I think Jonathan March with Anaheim, though. They got uh Shea Theodore from Anaheim. Yep. He was very good. Like, I, yeah. You're right, though. For the most part, like McNabb from the Kings was kind of a you know third, second, third pairing kind of guy, and there was really other that off the top of my head. There was really no like big names on defense that went the other way. But if you're trying to sell from a selling ticket standpoint, I can see them grabbing Ghost. Hopefully, yeah. He, he dude, as much as we talk negatively, or I'll speak for myself, as as much negative things as I say about Shane Goss's pair, he can be fun to watch. And if you want to sell tickets to to fans who you know, uh, maybe don't really watch the whole game, but mainly the highlights or the exciting play, then, yeah, sign Shane Gossespierre. You know, I they don't know what the sell hell. You, I can sell you Ghost and a whole season worth of highlights. It was a couple years ago, but there was a lot of highlights there. I think you had, Wait, like, three the overtime winners in a row. Seattle, <laughs> Seattle has never really had a, an NHL team. So who are they really watching right now? Vancouver, Quinn Hughes looks like one hell of a defenseman right now, doesn't he? I right. mean, if that's what they're used to seeing out there and you want to sell tickets, <laughs> would, would, I would die if they said scored 65 points in 2016-7 or whatever the hell it was. That would be hilarious. But I could see them doing it. You got He's younger. You want to talk about in his prime? How old's Ghost? 26, 27? I think he's 27, yeah. JVR is what, 31? Yeah, take Ghost, man. I would rather them take Ghost over over JVR. Uh, I still I'm still on the you know get JVR the right center and he can put up points all year long. I know he kind of went you know uh, missing for for chunks of the season again, but you know the the whole team kind of went missing. So. Right, right. I agree with that. Yeah, and like with JVR, we had said at the beginning of the season if he's going to be successful, you need to cater to him. Yeah, they had him out there on the PP one, and he rewarded them. You know, he's the best at deflecting pucks like in the world. Like it's it's impressive. So you know what you have in JVR. There's a lot of money, sure. It was a free agent deal where you got less years. So you come to terms with that. 
Um, if I'm Seattle, though, like, do I want to do that at that age? What I'm trying to, it depends on obviously what else they are looking at. They have an idea of what the, where they're going to get from these other teams, and the deals haven't even started taking place yet. But just off the top of my head, where defensemen are usually at a minimum because they're a premium position and he can help draw tickets, would not surprise me. Yeah. So here's a, a topic here from our buddy Antimeo, who usually watches with us. And, and guys, this is going to be a, a pretty big topic to touch on here. So let's discuss it. It's, I want ownership that cares about the Flyers. Ed Snyder cared, and they always tried to get the best players no matter what. I wish they would sell to someone who had the passion like Snyder did. The Flyers have become irrelevant, and it's sad. So talked a little bit about this on the Pottery Bully show last night with Derek Bob. The Flyers have turned into a straight-up corporation right in front of our faces, guys. Like, think back 10 years ago, 15 years ago. The Flyers were a hockey team. They were fun. They were ran by hockey guys. They had passionate GMs. Maybe they didn't make always the right move, but they were fun. They tried to win, right? I mean, you couldn't you couldn't ask for a better owner than Ed Snyder. You really couldn't. Like, we were spoiled for so long, you know? And, and when he died, a uh, little piece of the, the Flyers' uh, heart and soul died with them. Right before no, the our biggest. Eyes, the biggest piece. Yeah. Yeah. The Flyers yeah, heart and soul died with him. Yeah. Right before our eyes, though, guys, the Flyers kind of, you know, put a sheet overhead and they turned into a corporation. They're, they're all about money. Gritty's pumped down our throats nonstop, right? Uh, you know, all, all this fanfare, it's it's all BS. It's corporate stuff. It, there's no. Honestly, there's, the firing of Hextall backs that up as well. They weren't doing enough at the pro level. That's you got fired point, right before Christmas. What gets what gets like sold right before Christmas time? <laughs> the Santa Sacks. Santa Sacks. I mean, the team's taking a dump. You knew what Hextall was all about. Love him or hate him. You knew he was going to break this team down so he could build up a contender, a perennial contender, who's repl replenishing itself with its own prospects and not having to re-sign guys for ridiculous deals. And whether it worked out or not, we'll never know. But we do know that they said, you need to make us money. This is not going well. We put up enough with enough of this. We know we were paying these guys ridiculous money. Uh, this It doesn't work. And out he went. And Hacksaw not long after. And I'm seeing exactly what you're seeing. They don't care enough. If, if Terrian would have been fired, <laughs> I mean, Vigneault probably would have been fired too, let's be real. But Terrian would have been fired last year. Vigneault probably would have got fired this year. Yao probably would have went with him. You know, And I think Claude Julian would be our coach right now. This is if Edge Snyder ever let, um, what's his name, go to Florida. Like he would have backed up a truck full of money to John Quenville to just what what do you name your price? Well, I, I'm friends with the guy in Florida. I want to retire there. Name your price, then double it, then triple it. Like that was Edge Snyder. Let's be real. Like we would have gotten him because he wanted him. That's it. You know, and that's gone. If it's not feasible for this team financially, forget it. Like we'll just go. Uh, we'll take the backup assistant in the AHL team. We'll go with him. We'll take we'll take Eric Gustafson to fill a hole. <laughs> yeah. Now I the cap is a thing, but that being said, I don't remember Snyder really giving a shit. You know what I mean? Like they had one bad year. What did they do? They went out and they signed the highest free agent, Danny Briere. They acquired Hartnell and Tiemann, and they did a plethora of other new, other moves. And they found themselves in the Eastern Conference Championship one year after finishing dead last and getting screwed, not getting Patrick Kane. They got JBR instead. You know, like they still were that good of a team that quickly. Yeah, it's it's 
disheartening to think about because it's not the Flyers that we knew. It's not the Flyers that we grew up with. We're all around the same age. I'm sure a lot of the guys uh, uh, watching and listening, th this Flyers organization is not the same organization we grew up with. It's not about hockey anymore. It's about making money. And the more I hear from, from Dave Scott, the, like the angrier I get about that. Why do we hear from this guy? I know he's – what is he, the president of the organization or he's Comcast this, Comcast, Comcast that. You got nothing to do with the hockey team, though. Why do we hear from that guy? He's literally the Ed Schneider fill-in, essentially. Like, I run Comcast, but I manage the Flyers when, you know, the president needs to be let go. He's like that guy. And he's going to sit there and he's going to pretend that I he has an actual opinion on the team because he watches. He's looking at the bottom line, you know, and with COVID and all that, there really isn't much of a bottom line. So he probably sees the Flyers record, knows their expectations, and says things like, oh, yes, we need to be better. He sounds like Andy Reid out there. We need to be better. We need to do a better job. Like, okay, no, no kidding. Thanks, Dave. Did you make any changes? Is Fletcher Fletcher still here? All the coaches are still here. Everybody who makes all the big decisions are all still here. So what are you actually doing except for showing up for your press conference? Did you want to say something there, Kyle? Okay. So I agree with you. And all season long, they gave you hints that this season was going to be a mulligan. They All season long, they were hinting to you that we're not going to fire anybody. We're not going to make any irrational decisions based off this season. And they got blown out multiple times, 6-1 to the Sabres, 6-1 to the Islanders, 9-0 to the Rangers, 8-2 or 8-3, whatever the hell it was to the Rangers. The next time they played them, they had the same player. Two straight times they played them, score six points in a period. Back-to-back -back hat tricks, never been done. Gretzky never did it. Nobody got fired. Not even the littlest, the littlest guy in the organization. Not even the equipment manager got canned. Not the, not even the goalie coach got canned. Nobody got canned. To me, it was saying everything's fine. We're going to accept this. Or they were they were telling you that hey, this is a mulligan season. You know, we're, we're not going to do anything based off what's happening this year. It's not fair to the people working. It's a condensed season, and and that tells me. What does that tell your players? What does what does what kind of message does that relay down? It oh okay, this is a mulligan season. Why should I bust my ass? Why should I do this? Why should I do that? These yeah, guys are telling me everything that's happening is is it acceptable? You know, my job is safe for at least a year. Nah. I'm gonna be back next year. Bothers me. I mean, so of the coaches. Michael, Michelle Tarion, excuse me. You know, the Flyers' power play percentage was down to 19.2. That was 20th in the league. Power play goals, they scored 33. That's tied for 14th. That's ninth in power play opportunities with 169. Shorthanded goals against, were they were tied for third. They gave up six. And for because he controls the offensive well, their shooting percentage – 29.2, that was 12th in the league, and the goals four percentage was 2.86, that's 15th. Um, that's actually slightly up on the offensive side, but the def the power play side, down. And if it wasn't for JVR, <laughs> he, I mean, how bad would it be then? Like, maybe he ghost a little bit at the end there? Like, the, I don't know. It's almost like when they kept Lappy on the bench for so long. We all love the guy, but when he was in charge of the penalty kill, had the guy around for four seasons, we saw it. I wouldn't even say steadily decline. It dropped off a cliff. They were they were in embarrassment. And Why is he still on the bench, play? by the way? What's that? 
Why is Lappy still on the bench? Why do I see him on the bench? Remember when they were like, oh, yeah, Lappy's not going to be on the bench anymore, and he just is on the bench. You know, They like him, I guess. But at this point, when you're this bad, I don't care who you like. You know what I mean? Hey, Tortorella is a free agent. Yeah. Could you imagine having AV so and Tortorella on the same bench? And Taka, could you imagine? I mean, they got three I head think, coaches on the bench already. Why not? I think they should run a two-head coach system. <laughs> that would force Jay, Jake Voracek into retirement. Probably a couple of other players, too. All of the game. Rick Tockett would beat the brakes off of JVR, or not JVR, off of Jake Voracek after the first game. Can we sign, re-sign Brindamore and Tockett as players? Is that cool thing? Yeah, right? Could you imagine? I wonder if they could go out and get Tockett as an assistant coach. And and then yeah, I think he'll probably be a head coach somewhere. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. He'd be he'd be a good guy to work with these younger players, though. I think he did a, a decent job with what he was given in, in Arizona. I, I wonder if they could bring him back. He was around here for a little bit before. Did he go to Pittsburgh first or did he go yeah. right to Arizona? And he pulled he pulled a tool bag move too. He was like our intermission guy for a while. Yeah. And then he became an assistant for Pitt. The draft, it might have been in Philly. I'm not sure. But he made the announcement for Pittsburgh to make the pick. And it was like, ah, you know. Jerk. I love talking. Favorite player growing up. Yeah, he'd be cool as an assistant coach. But uh, it looks like I, I would be disappointed if Terry and Yo came back, to be honest with you. They're going to. We were promised, you know, big changes, you know, a busy summer. And, you know, I think at least one guy. There's all, no, the only change we're going to get is the hashtag. It's not going to be anytime, anywhere anymore. It's going to be no COVID anymore. No <laughs> bubbles. No bubbles, no COVID. Go Flyers. More, yeah. More excuses. No excuses. That's what it should be, but they won't do that. Hashtag give, just give us your money and shut up. Yeah. Hashtag Santa Sex. <laughs> Um, all right, so we're about 40 minutes in. Why don't we uh, get to some grading here? You guys want to do some grades? Let's uh, let's give some out. Where do you want to start? Offense, defense, coaching? Let's go with the best part of this team and go with defense. <laughs> oh, boy. <laughs> all right, I'll lay it out for you. What I have here, Justin Braun's first up, 53 games played. He had... One goal, five or six, six points. He was even plus minus. What are your guys' grade for Justin Braun? Go ahead, Kyle. You want to go first? Justin Braun. Uh, I'd give him a solid B. B minus. On I the think year. That's, he I didn't think that's he didn't give you anything flashy. He did what Justin Braun does. Jimmy. Yeah, I'm going to say the same. Uh, C plus B. He was Justin Braun. He was, you know, I don't, when they signed him, he wasn't supposed to play the minutes he was playing. He wasn't supposed to be playing top line minutes. Was not supposed to be playing second pairing minutes. He was supposed to be playing third pairing minutes, play the, play in the, uh, play the dirty minutes, you know, in the defensive zone, play the PP. Instead, he's playing against top line guys with Ivan Provorov on the top pairing. Did everything that he, he was asked to do. Give him a B. Sure. Yeah, I kind of agree with that. He should not have been in the top pairing. That's not necessarily his fault. Uh, I give him a C plus. So we're right in the same range there. B, B minus C plus. It's right in there. Um, you know, it's Justin Braun. What do you expect? Oh, here's a good one. Shane Gossespierre, 41 games played, nine goals, 11 assists, 20 points. He was a negative two on the season. 
Jim, we'll go with you first. You're great. Hey, on pace for a 40 goal, a uh, 40 point season. That's uh, almost that's two thirds all the way to 65. So in a 160 game season, he's on pace for 65 points. Uh-oh. Uh oh. <laughs> uh oh. Indeed, Ghost played well this year for Ghost standards. Okay, he. he and when I say played well, I don't mean he's top pairing guy, 65 point, this and that. He played okay for ghost standards. So for ghost standards, I'm going to give him a B. If we're going, you know, regular. No, no. I don't want ghost standards. I want his grade. Just flat out. Like from based off what I expect from ghost. He over, he, all right, all right. he overachieved. Like I don't I don't know how to I don't know how to grade him fairly, you know, because I expect very, very little and he exceeded my expectations, honestly. So I think I'm gonna give and it's so weird to give give out another B because this team was so bad. Uh, yeah, I, I'm gonna give Ghost a B on defense, but we'll get there. Uh in a country where murder is considered a you know, not necessarily illegal. <laughs> <laughs> Um, all right, Jim or uh, Kyle, just get him. Just get him. Who? Ghost? Ghost and Jim at the same time. He gave him a B. Okay. Uh, Jim Jim gets a solid. And, you know, it, it was a teetering A minus, but that mustache he came in with at the end of the year, definitely A plus. <laughs> <laughs> Straight through, all in all. No, uh, Ghost for me, honestly, he gets, he gets a C minus from me. You know, he had he had an opportunity to insert himself into a lineup and really prove to everybody that he can duplicate a 65 point season. He can take over in games. And you know what? To be honest with you, his mistakes were far more glaring than his strong points in the season. And for me, that's a C minus. He he did ghost type things from time to time, but the turnovers, the bad defensive zone play, the miscommunications to completely being lost C minus borderline D plus. <laughs> so I'm close, much closer with Kyle here. I gave him a C simply because of the points. Um, there was a point when you looked at how bad this defense was. Uh, he was one of the better. Like I, I thought he should have played with Proveroff simply because they had known each other. They had played together before and Myers and Sandheim were so bad. Braun didn't belong in the top four. Really hag had been injured. Gustafson was the ghost clone was the much, much, much worse player. So I, I gave him a C I'm not fooled by the offense. You're not winning with a guy like that. You need somebody who can play uh defense, like actually play defense, especially on this team, especially with young goaltending, especially with the system where the word dishing out, Ghost is at best a commodity for a really good team. You know, for a team that just does everything right, like, like Vegas. Like if they had the cap space, I could see him going out there and they just deploy him in very like odd situation. Power play specialist. Other than that, he's on their third pairing. They probably scratch him every once in a while, a.k.a. things you don't do with a guy making $4.5 million. Was it better than last year? Sure. But was there really anywhere else to go but up? No. So – I understand why he gave him a B. I understand why he gave him a D plus that C minus. I, I'm settling with a C. Um, and I actually think that's – you probably think I was going to go worse with that. Did you, Jim? No, I think you grade pretty fairly. I just have such low standards for this guy that the way he played this year, I was like, mm, he looked kind of good for what I expected. I think that's where my B comes from. 
We're, we're kind of saying the same thing yeah. in that regard. I'll uh, move on to the next defenseman real quick. Sam Moran, who was funny when I first pulled this list, was listed as a forward, if you remember those times. Uh, <laughs> oh, my God. Four, do you remember that? Yeah, 20 games played, one goal, zero assists for one point. He was a minus seven. Uh, that one goal was pretty sweet, though. Uh, Kyle, <laughs> yeah. you the boy. I was thinking the same thing. Um, yeah, 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 that one goal he, was a beauty. Mm-hmm. Also, also worth noting, he dropped Brendan Lemieux and Ross Johnston. Dropped so everybody. he also he won every altercation he was in as well. So <laughs> that into your grading. I think you should. I'm going to, with all of the adversity this kid has been through to step into the NHL lineup and look like he belonged. Like he didn't really look out of place. Solid A minus for me. Wow. Okay. All right. Uh, Solid A minus. <laughs> yeah, I'm going to go A. What ace? Okay, everything that he went through and then to actually stay up here for 20 games, you know, cool, awesome. So I, I totally this agree with you guys in the sense that this was the first year because he's played on the Flyers before, but this season he just looked like, yeah, this is it for me. Like I'm going to play like like me, really, and I like that. I did, and part of this is on AV not playing him enough, but I, I gave him a C plus. I, I I appreciated what he brought. I appreciated what he did. I just don't know how – I just don't know how well – how good you <laughs> I thought a C-plus was commendable, but you guys blew me out of the water. So Dude, I'll, play, I'll take the L. I'll take you know what L. I love so far? I love how bad the Flyers' defense was this year, and we're giving guys Bs and Cs, As. A-minus. That's <laughs> why I'm like – I'm thinking my grades are bad. <laughs> All right. Uh, Eric Gustafson, <laughs> I gave him an F-minus. I don't even want to give you the stats. Incomplete. Uh, no, that Morgan Frost is incomplete. It is for failure to play defense. Move F- along. <laughs> along. Robert Hag. What was that little training. jingle that Kyle just made up right there? Was that I, a real thing? We'll have to go yeah, back. Yeah, well, you, you know SpongeBob? F is oh. friends who do stuff together. <laughs> <laughs> U is for you and me. So oh I God. just I just figured I'd go ahead and go. F is for shitty defense played oh. by Gustin. <laughs> we just lost thirty viewers for that. Oh. <laughs> I'm just kidding. We gained. Well, he said F is for, and I paused, <laughs> and he only said the S word. So I'll take it. <laughs> Might be giving right. out a T-shirt, Wait, by the way. Ten minutes Wait, to go then. here, boys. Hey, hey, then. Robert Hag, thirty-four point, uh, thirty-four games played. Two goals, three assists, five points. He's a minus three. Jim. I'm giving Haig a D. Not impressed with Haig this year. Not, wouldn't be mad if he wasn't back next year. I think we've seen enough of Haig. Boys, continue, continue with your grading, but I got to run real fast. So, Oh, the rocket. The rocket's going off. Two right, minus go, five go minutes. The Russian rocket. Red and, rocket. And Junior, Junior's been talking about it all week, so I got to make sure he's outside and sees it. All right, okay. go, 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 go. My Junior's too little. All right, Robert Hag. Jim, I actually gave him a D as well. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, not enough Robert Hag. Um, I don't know. Maybe if he played more, he would have been a little bit better because when there were certain plays he's made that kind of surprised me, but ultimately you're not getting much from the guy, so we'll just move Double on. Ds for Robert Hag. So here's here's a good one. Felipe Myers, 44 games played, one goal, 10 assists, 11 points. He was a minus 10. Jim, severely, thoughts. severely underperformed. Uh, I was on a pod with the Broad Street Bully podcast the other day, and they so kindly replayed my preseason predictions. And 
break my breakout player choice for this year was Phil Myers. And unfortunately, he did not break out. Maybe he broke a couple Should've of ribs. Should have with my guy, Jim. Should have went with my guy. <laughs> he broke a couple of ribs, but he did not break out the way that I thought he would play. He broke more hearts, Jim. He broke more yeah. hearts. So for, for Phil Myers, you know, maybe he was hurt all year. Maybe he wasn't. But based off his play and the numbers, I think you got to go F, which is which sucks because he's one of the big guys that this team was supposedly counting on. Jim, I'm not going to lie. I, I went exactly the same. I went F. I don't think there's much else to say than what you said. He just simply underperformed. We were uh, very upset with his decision making. Um Hoping he can turn it around. Maybe it was too much from the guy. Maybe this is why guys don't get drafted. Maybe there's something scouts see that we, I don't know. I, I don't know what it is, but it, it's a little jarring. Um, it is what it is. So next, Ivan Proveroff, 56 games played, seven goals, 19 assists for 26 points. He was actually a plus four. Uh, he is on the power play. Keep that in mind. You're, uh, you're grading. So I wasn't as, I was disappointed with Proveroff in the beginning of the season. Um, he didn't look like we had hoped. You know, we were kind of hoping he would take over the number one role and carry this team and put him on his back, but he looked out of sorts at times. As the season went along, I became uh, more and more okay with how he was playing. If you look at his offensive numbers, and I, and I hate to do this for the projections and whatnot, but his offensive numbers project to be pretty decent through an 82-game season. I think he finished with seven goals, 19 assists, you said? Yep. Something like that. So that's 56 games. I, I don't know what that projects like 11 to. goals. Yeah. Uh, maybe, you know, 35 assists. Like, it's not bad. Yeah, it's decent. You you want more from him. I think this is his fourth or fifth season now. So He was, you know, a, you, he was a plus two player, which was shocking to me. Yeah. So uh, I'm going to, again, we expect more. And I, I believe that we can get more from Proverov. I don't think that this is him. I think he's he hasn't plateaued. I think he's hit a point where he's kind of got to break through it still. So I'm going to give Provy, uh, based off the circumstances, I'm going to give him B minus. Okay, so I, I didn't know where you're going with that, but that. That's pretty good. I gave him a C for all the same reasons. I have higher expectations for Proverov, but one thing I will say, um, and some we brought this up before. I've seen it on Twitter as well. He needs a legitimate partner. Like every great defenseman in the league, they have a good partner. Even if that guy, you may not exactly know who he is. A good, a good example of this, you know, um, what's his name for? Oh my God, I'm blanking on his name. They San Jose defenseman from from the Senators. Oh, Eric Carlson. Carlson. I was going to say Gustafson. That's why I want to say it. <laughs> Eric Carlson. So uh, I think his name was Mark Mathot. Yeah. So Mathot is right. I don't know, guys. I don't know if the first name is right. He no, was like right. the perfect like guy to play with him. Like for everything he would do, he would back him up. And then when Mathot went to Dallas, he quickly dissolved. He wasn't much like if you find that perfect balance for Provorov. I and it, it seemed for a while there it was it was um, Niskanen, you know. And I, I truly believe like losing him and, and inserting Gus, you know, Justin Braun or insert player here was a serious detriment. He probably reminded him of when he had to play with McDonald. It was like, guys, like if we're serious about winning, you can't be doing this. I bring something to the table, but I'm not Nicholas Lidstrom in his prime. Like, come on, I'm still 20 something years old. So I, I, I am upset that he didn't handle it as well because straight up he would lose the puck, make bad decisions, sometimes fall, 
you know, like that stuff is why he got the C for me. But at the same time, if you're going to have a player like this on your team and you want him to develop and be better and be a number one defenseman who plays almost 30 minutes a night, you got to get him better defensive pairing partners than what he's had. Agreed. hundred percent. And I, I think that'll help elevate him past that, you know, that ceiling that I was talking about there. So I agree with you hundred percent. Final defenseman I have on the list here is Travis Sanheim, 55 games played, three goals, 12 assists for 15 points. He was a minus 22. Was Jim. he really? Yeah. Wow. Wow. Minus 22 for Sanheim. Sanheim. Dude, that's bad. So uh, <laughs> all year long, if you're on Twitter, all, all year long, all you hear is Sanheim's been the Flyers' best defenseman analytically, blah, blah, blah. I don't I don't pay much attention to analytics. That's not to say that I disregard them completely. I just don't pay attention to them. Um, but if I'm watching Sanheim, I've been more unimpressed than impressed. He has shown flashes of what I would like him to be, and I want to see that more. So I, I'm gonna go ahead and give him uh I'm gonna give him a D plus. <laughs> We're very close. I gave him a D. I didn't. I didn't think he was as bad as Myers, but he was pretty rough. He did. He was the. He was asked to play a lot of minutes. He also had a lot of different defensive pairing partners. He did make a lot of mistakes. Um, I expected a lot more out of him. Myers was an undrafted guy where he was a first round pick, and I, I'm kind of like you know when Provorov went down a couple years or wasn't as good a couple years ago, he stepped up. So I was hoping. I know they're both left handed guys. Maybe he could be Provorov's defensive pairing partner that's not really feasible considering the rest of the team would have been i mean they were but really bad i thought he'd be a more stabilizing force than he was he had some stretches analytics are i don't throw them out the window completely however uh d plus and a d is not by any stretch of the imagination a good season no no that's pretty terrible and i think his situation is similar to provorov's you know i think he needs a responsible uh, pairing uh, a responsible defenseman to pair with them. I don't think they did him any uh, any favors pairing him with Phil Myers, who was playing in his second full season in the NHL. I know Phil Myers looked pretty solid at the end of last year and, the, and in the bubble, but it, it, when you consider the condensed schedule and whatnot, they didn't do Sanheim any favors. They need to go out and get him a you know a veteran guy like Justin Braun, but better. You know what I mean? Um, oh, yeah. not, I don't have a specific name in mind, but someone that's going to allow Sanheim to play his his game, his style of play. I want to see what Travis Sanheim is because I feel like I haven't I haven't gotten to see him play his game. He's supposed to be a puck pusher, a puck mover, pushes play. We've seen spurts of that, but maybe you know, depending on the partner that he's paired with, he is unable to play that way more often. So I think the same as as Provorov. Go get him a player that allows him to elevate his game, that allows him to be comfortable on the ice. When you're comfortable, you can play your style and you can play freely. You can have fun. When, when you have to worry about, oh, I can't make a mistake because it's going to end up in the back of my net. You can't play loose. So if we're going to make a, a wish list for a future episode, that's that's one of the things on my wish list. Get Sanheim a, a competent defensive partner. And I'm telling you, when they move somebody, and if it's not Sanheim and if it is Myers – and they sign somebody else. The guy that goes with Provorov, I would like to be defensive, more defensive minded, but have that occasional offensive, you know, challenge or gift. 
-hmm. With Sanheim, I prefer the guy to be much more defensive, and that's really it. It's got to be a significant level, not just some brawn level, but like it's got to be, he's got to really be, he's got to be quick. He's got to be fast. He's got to be positionally sound. Uh, But yeah, like you said, like if Sanheim is going to play, he's going to want to have fun and play his game. He's not going to want to worry about his defensive partner, which he's probably had to do all year. And I think he's got, he can potentially have more offense than Provorov. I don't know about ghosts, but like Provorov, like, you know, and still chip in and be something defensively. So there are two different defensive pairing partners we'd like to bring in for each guy. And if they do that, I think that these two pairings can really turn into something. However, that's a much harder thing to do than we just laid out. Um, I agree. Real quick, before I move on to the next one, Jim, there's a, a comment in uh, the comments that I just want to touch on real quick. It's by Antimeo. Would trading Frost, TK, Myers, and a first rounder get you Jack Eichel? So this is an offer that I say they would not hang up the phone by any means. But I, considering what teams like the Rangers and LA would be offering, I'm, I think it's going to be considerably more. Just to break it down real quick, Myers had his worst statistical season in, in general season. Uh and he only had one other season to compare it to, and he's not a drafted guy, so he doesn't have a whole lot of value. TK, he really doesn't have a whole lot of value. Frost has yet to crack the NHL lineup, He and he got hurt. Like He doesn't have a whole lot of value. And unfortunately, a first-round pick right now in this year's draft, if it's this year's draft, doesn't have a whole lot of value. I think those players or some of those players could be involved. Picks will be involved, obviously, but I think it's more like we're serious. You're getting rid of somebody you seriously like. You're getting rid of a Farabee and or probably not and, but or York, maybe even a Provorov. I wouldn't do it. I get that. But come on. If you're if line A and, and Winnipeg's asking for Provorov, you bet your ass Buffalo's asking for Provorov. They are asking for everybody under the sun. So you're going to see one, if we do make that trade, one amazing significant name that you really like is going to be involved in that trade. Probably multiple first round picks. And on it, in addition, a TK, a Myers, and a B-level prospect at that point. It's going to be an absolute haul. I know that he's not happy there, but it's going to be a lot. Yeah, for sure. All right, so we'll move on. Do you want to do goalies, forwards, front office? Uh, you know, let's do goalies and front office and maybe save forwards for uh, another episode since there's going to be uh, 12 of them. Touche. Or maybe right. more than 12, actually. I can't remember exactly, but I get your point. All right, Brian Elliott's first. 30 games played, 26 started. He went 15-9-2. His goals against average was 3.06. His save percentage was .889. He had two shutouts. Your grade. D. Give him a Just D. D. I'm done with Moose. I mean, great guy. Uh, I haven't been in favor of bringing him back the last two years, and this is not to say that he wasn't serviceable, but – he was playing very well uh, in the beginning when Carter Hart was struggling. We've heard AV say it. it. He just gets tired too quickly, man. Like they they can't like give not that not that they can't give Hart a break, but they can't give Hart an extended time off. Like they can't leave Hart off two three games in a row because Elliot needs to take a break. He Elliot can't play three four games in a row. His body starts to break down. He gets tired. Can't rec- he can't recover as quick as he used to. He's he's older. Like he's 34, 35 years old. I know he looks older, but uh as you get older, your body takes longer to recover. And essentially that's what AB's talking about with Brian Elliott. So I think they need to go out and improve their backup goal in the offseason and 
you know, if we were just judging the first half of the year, I would give Elliott a B because he was holding down the fort back there. But unfortunately, things went south, and I'm giving him a D. For those of you Brian Elliott fans, and for him getting tired quickly, age is a part of it, but that core muscle surgery is also a part of it. Blame Dave Hackstall. That was mm-hmm. his fault. I actually gave him a C plus. I think his effort was commendable considering the defense. I mean, let's let's be honest. The difference between him and Hart has been night and day. And as much as I defend Hart and his young confidence levels, Elliot's a vet. And I think because he was a vet, he was able to handle the situation a lot better than most. He did have his his gaffes for sure, which is why I couldn't put him in the B range. Uh, but if the defense wasn't this bad, I, I'd be with you. But because they were, I had to give him a little bit of credit. I gave him a C plus, but I understand where yeah, you're coming enough. from. Sure. Carter Hart's next 27 games played, 25 started. He went a 9 11 and 5 with a goals against average of 3.67 and a save percentage of 0.877. He had one shutout. Jim, your grade. Man, you're not going to like this. I'm going to F for Carter Hart. Was not impressed with him this year. Uh, just wasn't. There was maybe, maybe a handful of games where I was like, okay, Carter looks like Carter from last year. And I'm not attributing this to Carter just being bad. Again, I'm chalking this up to a weird year, condensed schedule, less practice time, less time to recover and correct mistakes, study tape, whatever the hell they do. But if we're just judging his performance this season, I'm going F. I have to. All right, I understand that. I gave Carter Hart a B plus. No, I'm just kidding. I, uh, I actually gave him an F as well. As much as I defend Carter Hart, to the to the end of the earth um i've seen alex lyon play better like like, i i really like it and i understand why like confidence is a real thing those of you who have played competitive sports especially sports like baseball and and as sport if you play hockey if you're a goalie you would understand this confidence is a, a big thing it really is you cannot you give up one goal you're especially in the first period, you know, and a lot of these goals were given up on two on ones, breakaways, two on O's, you know, power plays, whatever. That being said, it was, it was everything that came after the confidence losing goals. I'm okay to a certain point. And when the one thing I like about Hart that was always said was his short term memory, he gives up a goal and he forgets he completely gave it up. This was the first year. That was not a thing. We have heard that. We have heard that he's in his own head and that is not Carter Hart. And that to me is not good. That's an F he, I was hoping that his compete level, his understanding of the game, he could find his way out of that. He'd become mentally focused as he would his pregame warmups, whatever he would do with just, you know, when you see that you saw the videos where he'd be like going like this, like, Oh, okay. Left, left, right, left, right. Like doing his whole thing. Like he understood the game at a different level that transcended our understanding and seeing his play this year. I was, I was taken aback. I really yeah. was. Some people are too harsh. I will not, don't get me wrong, but I want you to understand that I saw the same game. Everybody else saw it's an F. Yeah. You know, when I knew Carter Hart was in trouble this year. Game two. When he smashed his stick. Ah, I should have, I should have known that. That's when I knew that this was going to be a weird year for Carter Hart. I'm not going to, you know, elaborate and bring up and suss up old memories and comments, but personally, when I saw him smash his stick, I'm like, okay, there's something wrong with Carter Hart this year because you don't see that from goalies. And 
uh, not ones that, you know, we were told that, you know, he's very well-mannered. He, he's, uh, you know, he's, he's well, uh, he's well-prepared mentally for games and he doesn't get in his head and he forgets things quick. If you're smashing your stick, you're not forgetting what just happened. It's, it's dwelling, you're dwelling on things. So that's when I knew that he was in for a rough ride this year. To back up essentially what I was saying, that was the moment you realized he was in his own head. So I actually like that answer. All right. Last goalie is Alex Lyons. Six games started, five games. I'm sorry, six games played, five games started. He went one, three, and one for a 3.33 goals against average and save percentage, which led the team eight. I'm sorry, 0.893, no shutouts. Jim, you're great on the uh, very little we saw of Alex Lyon. Dude, I don't know. I, <laughs> I just don't. Whatever, dude. Alex Lyon. I can't believe we're talking about him again, dude. I, I thought this was going to be the year where we wouldn't hear Alex Lyon's name. And we are. He just always somehow sneaks in, dude. Uh, I mean, I don't know. I'll give him a, a D. Jeez, I gave him a C+. Plus. <laughs> he played behind the same defense as these other goalies here. I gave him a C+. Plus. Commendable effort. You're just watching him play, you know that the, the level to – compete and actually be an NHL goalie. It's not there. Like the, the true skill is not there. But my God, did he try? He For did try. Loves Allison and players of that nature. He tried and he had the save of the year. He did yeah. actually. I forgot about all right. I bumped my grade up to a C plus. I forgot. Hey, there it is. I, I bumped <laughs> over. All I right. forgot about that save. That was a hell of a save, man. Save it was up for save of the week or something. Save of the year. Yeah. Save a week. What even yeah. save of the year? Yeah. I, mean, I don't watch every game, but still. All right, we'll move on to uh, the front office, which includes three coaches and one uh, one general manager. Um, let's start with Mike Yo. Mike Yo, second season with the Philadelphia Flyers. He is in charge of the defense and penalty kill. The PK percentage was 73.1. That ranked 30th in the NHL. That was second to last. Okay. His power play goals against were 45. That was first in the league. We gave up the most goals on the power play than more than anybody in the league. Uh, as far as him being in charge of the defense, the shot percentage against us was uh, roughly we gave up 28.7 shots a game. That's 21st in the league, which is bad when it's lower now. And the goals against – I'm sorry, no, it's good when it's lower because the goals against were 3.46. That was second in the league. This is jarring. For those who wanted uh, Terry and fired, these stats, when you look at both penalty kill stats and that one goals against stats, I mean, we know that's a lot on the defensive goalie, but whoo, man. You're, Mike Yow, you're great. F, hate him. I hate Mike Yow. I hate this guy. <laughs> I hate him so much. Uh, when they signed him, it was like my nightmare. I just couldn't believe I this. I hate Mike Yo almost more than any other coach. I think he's so boring. I hated him with St. Louis. I hated him with Minnesota. And when the Flyers signed him, I think it was our buddy Anthony DeMarco said something during the uh, when the Flyers started really going downhill. It was, you know, I can see the Flyers firing uh, Vigneault and promoting Yo to head coach, and just yeah. my heart sunk. Like my spirit just was crushed. Like, this is my worst. This is my Well, nightmare. you know why he said that, right? Why? Because Fletcher hired Cal for, to be the head coach of the Wild. Dude, like, I would just stop. I would stop watching games if Mike Yo ever became coach of the Flyers. I would stop. I'd be done. 
I have to agree yeah. with your your uh, your rating there. I mean, he was the guy we were okay keeping and firing Terrian last year. Yeah, back when our standards were higher. After seeing some of those stats, like even then, I was still kind of iffy. And somebody had brought it up during the season, like, "Why are you guys always talking about Terrian? What about Yao?" And I was like, "Oh, well, yeah, I know he's in charge of defense. It's more personnel." But then you break down all the numbers, and it's like, Jesus God, you could put it, you could put Lapierre back in that role. Like, my God, it's the same results. They're they're bad. Like, oof. That was that was very upsetting. I figured they had a bad season, but wow. Yep. I'll move on to Michelle Terrian, second season with the Flyers as well. He's been quoted to have said, and this is back when he was either with Pitt or Montreal, let the offense come from the defensive side of the puck. He's in charge of the offense and the power play. Our power play uh, percentage was 19.2%. That's 20th in the league. Uh, we scored 33 power play goals. That's tied for 14th, as I stated earlier. We were ninth in opportunities with 169. We gave up six shorthanded goals against while on the power play. That's tied for third in the league. That's awfully high. Our shooting percentage on offense, our uh, shots per game, I should say, are roughly around 29.2. That's 12th. And our goals per game, goals per game are 2.86. That's 15. That's pretty much league average. Uh, Jim, your grade on Michelle Terrian. F. Another F. Yeah. Oh, man. I gave him a D. I gave him a D. I, I wasn't ready. I, only, probably only because Terrian or um, Yao rather was so much worse. But um, I mean, you've heard our thoughts on Michelle Terrian. I won't spend too much more time on it unless Jim, you got something you want to add. Nah, just failed. They both failed miserably. Power play sucks. Penalty kill sucks. Offense stunk. Defense stunk. They they stunk. Yes. Yeah. yeah. Offense only chipped in when they were, the game was out of reach, and it just yeah. Bumped up their stats. Yep. Finally, your head coach, Alevin Yo, 56 games. The Flyers won 25, 23, and 8 for 58 points. That's good for sixth in the East, 19th in the league. That will not change no matter what these teams with games remaining will do. He had 163 goals for, that's fifth in the East, 200 in goals against, that's dead last in the Mass Mutual East. They did not beat a team by two or more goals in over, what, two months? Mm -hmm. Maybe two months on the dot. Nearly every single player on the roster regressed except Joel Farabee. Uh, blown out by scores of 6-1 to one against Buffalo, 6-1 to one against Boston, 9-0 against the Rangers, 6-1 to one against the Islanders, 8-3 to three against the Rangers, 6-1 to one against Buffalo, 6-1 to one against Washington, 7-3 to three against Pitt. They missed the playoffs. Jim, you're great. So I'm going to go with oh, – man, I don't know. Uh, I'm going to go with a C-, minus, and I'm going to tell you why. Elaine Vigneault is is the hockey guy. Uh, between Fletcher, Scott, Vigneault, he, he's the hockey guy. Um, I just get this weird sense that people in the organization, and, and namely Dave Scott, are trying to push blame on Vigneault. He was quoted saying something as, um, you know, the coach is in charge of making sure the team is ready to play. And the Flyers, yeah. I think at this point, were – scored on first in nine straight games or something. And it just was weird for me to hear a guy in Dave Scott's, Scott's position say that because, number one, who asked you? Number two, it was, okay, well, how about the GM that you hired? How about the roster that he put together for your coach, right? How about the roster that he put together for the coach? The roster was inadequate. It wasn't – Fletcher even admitted it during a, one of his press conferences – it was the wrong mix of guys. 
how can you blame that on your coach? The coach can only play the players that you give them. And if you're giving them a shitty mix, what do you want them to do? You know, and then you consider all the circumstances that uh, came uh, this year with COVID and, uh, you, you know, all the outside things. If you start off wrong, especially in a year like this, it's going to be very, very hard to come back. And once, you know, that snowball got rolling, it only got bigger and bigger as it went through the year. And I, you got a shit ball is what they ended up with. They got a, they ended up as a shit ball, not a snowball. <laughs> so it's hard for me to really blame Vigneault when I can blame Chuck Fletcher, when I can blame the players, you know, for – I'm not going to call them mental midgets. That's a little bit insensitive considering, you know, how the year went. But Vigneault has the track record. There's nobody else. Chuck Fletcher doesn't even have the tr the winning track record that Elaine Vigneault does. The players don't have the winning track record. I'm going to give Vigneault a C for, for at least, you know, trying to win. They won 25 games somehow. I don't know how they won 25 games, Jack. No idea. They, they should not have won more than 20 the way they played. It is funny. Their, their record is awfully odd for um, how badly they got blown out. Uh, I think that was a lot of individual efforts. I agree with everything you said, and Fletcher will be our final grading of this evening, and that should be – I really want to hear your thoughts on that. Um, the only thing for me that – I gave him a D, and the only thing that made me go into the D range was his 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 interviews after the game, his post-games, how he just shit all over Carter Hart. But his system and his style of play – and some of the players on his team that truly deserve blame, just nothing. No, none of his coaches were chastised. Nothing. Like they're doing after a eight to three loss to the Rangers, which is the quote unquote revenge game from the nine nothing loss. He actually had the balls to say, "I thought we had a good plan." Yeah. Really? Because if I admitted I thought I had a good plan and I lost that badly with everything on the line, considering we were absolutely embarrassed in the game before like i would i can't believe he said that like i would have kept that to myself and came up with something else you know mm -hmm. it just seemed like he could not wait to put the entire blame on carter hart and when hart wasn't playing he'd just say dumb crap you know and then now even he comes out and says i know what was wrong with the team i'll tell you later essentially and that's kind of like come on man like i, I like vigno and maybe his practices were marquee but I don't know. I didn't see a whole lot from him. He didn't. He never adjusts mid-game, like everything status quo. The only thing he does is shorten the bench, which you should do. You know, we did see Zamula get some more time, but I think he, if Voracek's stealing, you know, ice time from players, Vignone needs to step in and send him to the locker room because, like, what do we care if Voracek has more, gets more ice time? I want to see the guys who care about winning, not the guys right. who care about. Look at me. I have the puck. Let's see what I can do with it. Oh, I lost it. What do I care? So, right. yeah, I mean, I get what you're saying, which is why I didn't get an F. But same time, I was not impressed by any stretch of the imagination. And he didn't really seem to get upset about it a month unless he was taking it out on heart. So I, I went with the uh, I went with the D. Yeah, fair enough. Final grading. And this, I want three grades from you, Jim. We'll break this down slow motion for you, okay? Chuck Fletcher, second season as Flyers general manager, allegedly. I mean, technically. Um is I want you to grade his offseason. He re-signed Justin Braun. He signed 
Eric Gustafson. He traded no one. He struck out on Chara, which we found out he probably had no chance in hell. He struck out on Petrogano, which we or I'm sorry, Pichangelo, which we found out that he was really never coming here. And he struck out on Line A. I bring that up because of all the ru- rumors that we had been hearing for so long. I don't know if you want to throw his draft in there, but Forrester looks pretty good right now. Um, as does Zade Zade Wisdom and Denoye. Uh, and even guys like the guy, the defenseman, Andre, they took in the second round. I don't know if you can throw that into your grading, but I want you to grade his 2020 offseason and what it meant going into this, just this season, not the future. What's your grade on that? So the draft, I'll give him an A. Okay. Great draft. Excellent draft. Forrester was the guy that I was hoping they would draft. Uh, Neil Andre is supposedly a good puck moving defenseman. Wisdom has been tearing it up with the Phantoms. Very nice player. Can't wait to see him with the Flyers. The offseason, though, as far as free agency and getting ready for this year, I'm giving him an F without even a, a thought, without a doubt, an F. Completely unprepared. Um, looks like he he already had excuses made. I, I don't know if Dave Scott told him, hey, like, I know it's going to be a weird year. I'm not going to hold any of this against you, blah, blah, blah. But that's certainly what it looked like. It looked to me like, hey, like we'll do our, we'll give it our best shot, and and if you know if things fall apart, you know it's you know everyone's going to be back next year, so don't worry about it. Uh, off season, given an F, the way the season went, given an F, which is pretty incredible to me right now because the way last season went, he could do no wrong. Last season was an A plus plus. This year, it's an F plus plus. It's crazy, man, just how badly he's he screwed this team for this season. Yeah, I will not argue that. For this season alone, he flat out was terrible. It's like he didn't care. His his biggest move would have been talking Matt Niskin out of retirement, which is – that's crazy. Like, I yeah. mean, college coaches have better chances with doing that with players that want to go to the NFL because, like, hey, I can raise your draft stock. What, what was he selling to Niskin? You know, like, it was that – you realize he was this important to your team and you didn't go fix that? So I'll cup that with I gave him the same grade, but at the same time, I want you to look at the offseason he had. Now I want you to think of the team long-term where you can't go trade for a guy who's got five years at $6 million or six million six years of $5 million because you know financially you'll be cap-strapped, you can't retain players you like, and all that. Like, Do you think he did this team a solid in the sense of we went through a horrible season, now – Carter Hart's going to be cheaper. Sandheim's going to be cheaper. Meyer's going to be cheaper. Patrick, if he's even here, is going to be cheaper. And we're going to have more money to add legitimate players to this team. Uh, what, what grade would you give him with his all, 2020 offseason, but towards the future of this franchise? I don't know. I, I would be I would be assuming that that's what his plan was, you know. And uh, I, I don't know. I, I think I would rather have seen Sandheim and Hart play well and force his hand a little bit. I, I never thought Hart was going to get paid more than $3 million anyway, so I wasn't necessarily worried about Hart. Um, Sanheim, I think, could have got around $5 million. I'm not sure if he gets that now. Maybe he gets like a Gossip Bear contract or something. Maybe not even. I, I'm not sure. But if that was the plan, man, that, that it like discourages me a little bit. You threw away a season. I mean, that's a big deal. That, that's an entire year wasted. Like Jeru's another year, another year older. Vorchek's another year older. JBR, Couturier's not getting any younger. Try to know. take that out of the equation when you make when you make your grade, though, because that's this season. Although they're them being older, I can give you a little bit of leeway on. But just 
anything uh, with this season, try to. If if that was the plan, it's. I, I don't know. I don't know. It's. It, I'm disappointed by that. If that was the plan, like, hey, let's let's tank this year and just get guys back for cheap. Uh, they had ha they would have to go and get a guy first for me to be like, okay, yeah, maybe it was a good move, but I don't have a hundred percent faith that they're that they're going to get a guy. So you lost faith in them, faith in them, and yeah, you one hundred percent But if you had to give a letter, so I'll just give you mine. I gave him a C minus, where it was an F for the year. I gave him a C minus in the fact that for the future, not getting stuck into a contract with a player that's really not that good. He's overpaid. That's going to cost me. I couldn't hate on him too much because I kind of understood why he didn't go get certain guys. And you look, Vancouver was the other what did what we shouldn't have done, and they traded for Nate Schultz. I think that's his name. I always confuse it. Uh, Nate Schmidt. Nate Schmidt. See, God damn it, Nate Schmidt. And how did Vancouver do this year? Like they shit the bed, and they got some actual all stars on that team. A lot. Elias Pedersen was hurt most of the year, but he's a stud. Quinn Hughes, he's a stud as well. You know, and they didn't even make the playoffs. And Montreal barely like they have the same amount of points as the Flyers right now. They have one game in hand. You know, mm -hmm. they have the same amount of points as the Flyers. And they couldn't make I, I get it, they're playing Toronto, but they're also playing Calgary. They're also playing um, you know, they could steal some games from Edmonton and there's other can Canadian teams out there that they could have had it. They were actually good. They could have had a much better season. Um, and you know, so I, I don't want to hate too too much because we're not cap strapped. We don't know how long the um, dead cap's going to be, flat cap's going to be. But same time, C minus is not a good grade. You know, you bring that home, you know, you're, you're not you're not getting your allowance if you're in my house. Um, so finally, um, trade deadline 2021. He re-signed Scott Lawton to a five-year, $50 million contract, which is $3 million average annual value. Traded Eric Gustin to Montreal for 2022 seventh. Traded Michael Roffel to Washington for a 2021 fifth. What do you give his trade deadline grade? It's like middle of the road. Um, I I love Lawton, but I would have rather have seen them trade him and get something. Uh, the contract's fine. It's a good contract for a player like Scott Lawton. Guy, he admitted a mistake in moving Gus for a seventh. Uh, and what was the other one? Roffel for a fifth? Yeah. The seventh is next year. The fifth is this year. Yeah. I mean, I give it a D, I guess. D plus. I gave him a C. Uh, I thought you were going to say that when you said middle of the road, <laughs> but you went lower. I agree with you on Scott, Scott Lawton, though. I mean, you, if you really believed that you could have gotten him back and he loves being a flyer, you trade him and resign him in the offseason. I mean, what are the odds with the flat cap that he resigns elsewhere? You know, you're off. You tell them the offer you have, and maybe you can say, depending on how you do in the playoffs, we bring it more or less, or whatever. Probably more if you're trying to get them back, and you know, let them get something for them, which I don't think it'd have been at first, but it could have been something. You know, a third, a second, maybe both, maybe two thirds, and um, you know, let go, go, let him do his thing, come back, he resigns for the exact deal he's getting anyway. Not to mention, while the trade deadline is coming, this is what you're not talking trades. You're 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 talking a lot about resigning. That's what you're you're putting your time and effort into. Just resign them in the offseason if that's the case. Like I mm -hmm. I don't know. That was a little jarring to me. So game C. I like Lawton. He was one of the very few, I don't want to say, you know, bright spots, but he definitely wasn't a bad. He was good. Like he he 
did his for, – for Scott Lawton, he was good. He did his thing. He's a valuable player. They recognize that. Uh, that being said, how he got anything for Eric Gustafson is beyond me. And Raffle needed to be moved, and he moved. And it was the right move, a smart move. Fifth-round pick, I'll take it at this point. He's free agent at the end of the year. You got something for him. I'll take it. To see, you know, it's middle of the road. It's just why I thought you were going to go that route. <laughs> You're a little under underwhelmed. I get it. Yeah, so I guess I'll just finish it off with Fletcher became the GM of this team. What? December, January of 2019, 20, no, I'm sorry, 2018, 2019, right around that time. I can't remember exactly. Maybe a little after. Um, it was pretty much before the trade deadline of 2019. What's your grade for him up until this point? Uh, I mean, I'm still kind of getting over this year, so I'm going to try not to be too harsh, but you know, the, the signing of Kevin Hayes that we were also happy about in the first year doesn't look great right now. Matt Niskanen, maybe his best acquisition of his first season. It's not here anymore. Justin Braun somehow is playing top uh, pairing minutes. Not great. Can I throw um, one more stat out at you? Yeah. Cam York was a very nice pick, but uh, how's Cole Caulfield doing? Yeah. Yeah, he's playing well. Um, <laughs> really well. Yeah. Dude, I don't know. Uh, I'm going to give him I'm gonna give him D plus because the moves that he made, you know, not counting drafts because he's drafted very well so far, not counting drafts, the moves that he's, he's made in free agency and trades kind of are washing themselves out already in year two. I'm going to go D plus so far. And it's just so crazy because he was so good year one, but through two seasons, two and a half years, whatever, I'm going to give him D plus. My, I, I agree hundred percent across the board. That my favorite thing that you said was the best move that he made in acquiring Matt Niskin. And he is no longer here. Yeah. And I think that's what we're seeing. Like his most magical move that he pulled out were with flyers clearly won the trade. That guy's yeah. no longer here. Because we know Justin Braun's been a nice guy, but come on, yeah. second and third, it's a bad trade. Yeah, you they're know? back where they where they were before. When you re-sign the guy to a two-year deal that's worth like not oh, barely half of what he was making, the guy's clearly on his way out. We saw how rough he could be. Pretty probably good for the locker room, but what does that really mean for this team at this point, where the major players in the locker room are an issue? Yeah, he's didn't do anything this year, but like you alluded to, did nothing. You know, hope and a prayer. Um, and Hayes took a step back, man. I mean, I know some of the stats are somewhat there, but his how many shorthanded goals he had this year? I don't think they only had any. two of the team. I know Lawton had one. Who had the other? Was it Hayes? Probably not. Know. You know what I mean? Where he was like, he was like last year, he was like Deion Sanders, like he was like that cornerback who that defensive player who would change a game for you. He'd get a pick six, you know what I mean. We were losing to Columbus. He'd score a, shoot, a shorthanded goal. All of a sudden, the Flyers are within two, scoring the power play. They win that game. You know, he would carry the puck for 38 seconds and just skate around in the zone and then dump it. Like, that player, or he would steal the puck in the offensive zone. That player did not exist this year. He would compile some stats, and that was about it. Other than that, his play was super lazy, and you consider – the amount of money he got and the years he got, that's scary. It's a little scary. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, man. So we're about 90 minutes into the episode. It's uh, 
we covered the defense, we covered the coaching, some uh, some management. We'll save the offense for our next episode. Uh, why don't we bring it to an end? Why don't we, much like the Flyer season came to an end, feels like months ago, came to an end last night with the 4-2 win against New Jersey. Let's put a bow on this one. We'll be back next week, guys, to, to cover more of the season, uh, You know, wrap do our season wrap-up. Uh, like I said earlier in the show, we're going to try a new thing. We're going to look for dirty but good tweets, dirty but good comments, dirty but good questions. It's going to be a new segment of the show, uh, you know, something that may not be a popular opinion, but something that we think is the correct or or a good opinion, something that we can bring onto the show and discuss and include you guys, the listeners and the viewers, uh, everyone that hung out with us tonight. As always, thank you. We appreciate it. We appreciate the questions and the comments. Uh, it makes for a great show, great content in the show, and. Yeah, I don't think we I don't think we cursed five times in the show, so we got to give a T-shirt away, Jack. Two S words, two S words. That was it. Why don't we go with uh, who hasn't gotten a shirt? Let's go with Aunt DeMeo. Aunt's on Facebook, so we'll have to try to get a hold of Aunt in the DMs, and uh, we'll have to get him out a shirt. Aunt, thanks for watching as always. And why don't we uh, let's wrap this up? We'll be back next week, guys. We're supposed to have some good weather, so get outside, turn your TVs off. Get outside, enjoy yourself, take your vitamins, stay healthy, and we bet we'll be back next week, guys. Thank you.